0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com. I am your host, Mike Katrin. We are back, as always, in the middle of the summer to talk about the rookies and. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, who knows more about the rookies than anyone I know, uh, and will help me pronounce the names of anyone past the third or fourth pick, Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler?
1: Michael, how are you this fine day?
0: Good to hear from you, Tyler. It's good to be back. The season really, really never ends. We get about two months off, and then the draft just reappears in our lives
1: oh I don't I mean I feel like with the summer league and then like there's all these FIBA tournaments now I feel like it never ends
0: it's um it's actually great um luckily we aren't doing a daily podcast and uh, quite frankly I don't I don't think I could ever I could ever do a daily podcast right now you know free agency is in the middle of recreating an an NBA league that I think is going to be even more interesting season than last, which was a great season. Uh, But you know, so far free agency from a fantasy perspective has been, I don't know. I would just say not as exciting as I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. The Rockets made moves. I'm not sure they were good. I actually think they were probably bad. Right. And I don't know what else happened. Jeremy Grant got a lot of money.
0: Oh. Yep. Yeah, your Dallas Mavericks are, I would actually say, looking a little bit better.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they made a couple of smart moves, and they made some, well, like, let's wait and see moves. I mean, like, the Kyrie thing is is obviously something that they had to do, right? But at the same time, you know, how long can they keep Kyrie happy?
0: your I mean, your biggest moves are obviously, you know, Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, right? Um, we've seen moves like this before. Maybe not something exactly um, type of player in their t- in in that part of their career type of move. We've seen you know veterans at the, near the end of their um, career, like Chris Paul move move out. Uh, Chris Paul going to the Golden State Warriors. I don't know, quite frankly, if that's over with. Like, I don't. I I, I would like to talk about what a Chris Paul looks like on the Golden State Warriors, but, like, I'm not sure he's on the Warriors.
1: Uh, I think they want him on the Warriors because they want somebody that can make $30 million this season and not next season, right? And the whole story there is, you know, they're well over that second luxury tax, uh, that second, uh, yeah, yeah, the second apron, right, which is the new thing in the CBA, and it really limits what you can do with your roster, and the harshest penalties come in starting next summer. So they want that $30 million on their books and someone that can help them compete and potentially win a championship next season. And then they're going to dump Chris Paul and potentially maybe other guys to get under it, to have their mid-level exception and to be able to alter their roster. Because basically, if you're over that second tax apron, once all the restrictions are in, it's going to be really hard to move anything. Like, you can't take more salary back in a trade than what you send out, and you can't you know, sign a player for more than the minimum, and there's just a lot of really harsh restrictions, and it's kind of like a, a hard cap to some teams. And, I mean, clearly Phoenix is saying, F it. They're, they're going to be over it for a while, it looks like, but uh, it's going to be very hard to alter your roster in any way when you're over it.
0: I think, um you know, for Phoenix, right, they need to. right? It's how many more years does Kevin, they made the move for Kevin Durant. How many more years does Kevin Durant, Durant have left in his legs. Uh it's now or never for them. Golden State Warriors, you know, it's is actually, you know, older than I think we all think he is. Um, how many more years does that team together have to play at a championship level? So I think they're uh unlike certain teams who um are very, very scared of paying any extra money uh and didn't move anyone or do anything in the offseason at all other than Sign um Von Carter and Tori Craig, which I actually don't I don't hate those. Um you know what the the Bulls are gonna win the reasonable signing award once again. The Kobe white had a reasonable contract and Vujovic had a reasonable contract. It's like cool. We won the financial GM award again for the 30th year in a row, and we will uh play our play our way into the uh the eighth seed and lose in the first round. Cool, great. Congratulations, congratulations, bulls. Um I'm happy with that. But Chris Paul, like on the Golden State Warriors, why won't he kind of, like, actually, Chris Paul makes other people better, so why wouldn't it be a good situation for him?
1: Well, I guess maybe in the sense that he's going to probably play a few less minutes, which also may be good for him in the sense of keeping him healthy, but I think that's going to hurt his fantasy value a little bit. Like, I don't see him playing 35 minutes a game on the Golden State Warriors.
0: Not. and he Like you said, he won't have to in no way shape or form does he need to do that um definitely see a lot of over- overlapping him into a second team where he can kind of just set people up uh if he stays on the team i'm not sure that's all complete but maybe maybe it is and if it is um hey chris paul a little bit healthier is good for your long-term strategy chris paul playing less minutes is a little worse off for your points per game or your uh your week-to-week averages, perhaps. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be... I mean, Chris Paul's going to be Chris Paul. We all kind of know what Chris Paul does. We all know that he's aging. I all know how he, his stats have, one, kind of declined over the last, like, three or four years, but also how quality those stats still are after those three or four years. So I'm not seeing a huge change there. Uh, Bradley Beal, who was, like, you know, off and on injured, has taken a step back due to those injuries. Uh, based on his fantasy value, we've seen this before. What we're going to see in Phoenix with Bradley Beal. Usually in these big three situations, the top two dudes eat. The third guy takes the third wheel. We saw it with Chris Bosh way back in the day. And I think we're going to see with Bradley Beal here. Devin Booker is going to eat. Um, Kevin Durant is going to eat. Bradley Beal is going to just hang out and uh, I'm not terribly excited about drafting him anywhere near where I used to draft Bradley, Bradley Beal in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I guess my my counter would be how healthy are any of these guys going to be, and therefore that might be good for Beale in that sense, right? Like, last year, if you're looking at it, Booker played 53 games, Durant played 47, and Beal himself played, what, 50? So... You know, if you're going to assume that they're not playing all the same 50 games, if they all play 50 games, they could only potentially be like two of them healthy every time. And so, therefore, they're all going to cook. True. That would be, I mean, that would be,
0: I want to say it's like the best worst situation, right? Is that you get Bradley Beal, but he's as hurt as you think Bradley Beal is going to be. But when he does play, he's actually playing at like a high level. I think is you know it's like that's your, your best worst case scenario or your worst best case scenario I'm gonna go with that one it's the worst best case scenario best worst case scenario well, is mean, that he's the third wheel and he stays healthy and he's not that effective
1: i think if you're looking at specifically him and durant i mean can you count on either one of those two guys to play more than 60 games I mean, Durant, since that Achilles injury where he didn't play at all, it's been 35, 55, 47. So 60 games seems like a, a far cry. And then Beal, in the last four years, it's 57, 60, 40, and 50. So, again, like uh, to expect more than 60 games from either one of those two, I think, is a stretch.
0: Yeah, I certainly don't disagree. I think there's actually quite a few players, um, right? we need to reassess based on the fact that like, no one's going to be really playing in. It's going to say close to 80 games, but let, let's let just say like, I don't know if a lot of players are going to be playing more than 70 games from, you know, from here on out. Right. Other than maybe some young dudes with a lot of legs, um, the top players in the league, the vets, the, uh, the best players in the league who are trying to play for a championship. 70 games is a
1: lot of games now. I mean, yeah, I mean, it made Vucevic in total as a top 10 player last year because he played all 82 games.
0: Which is crazy. Grim. Shout out to Vucevic.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you look at like a lot of the top guys, like, I mean, just reading the top, you know, fantasy point total guys, it was 69, 66, 68, 74, 79, 58, 73, 68. 78 and 82 and Lopez and Vucevic were only up there because they played so many games like a lot of the guys that you were picking up there are the ones in the 60s and 70s and
0: they're and they're that good right they play 68 67 games and they're still a top 10 top 20 player because they are that quality so I think that's an adjustment that we saw you know we talked about last year uh, even I think even before the season started uh, I think we're seeing that trend can not just continue, but probably even hone in uh, even closer to being a, a reality for more players. You know, I don't know why you would well, even play believe it, even if he could play 82 games next season, why, why you would do that?
1: Well, guys are going to play 65 because they want to be on the all NBA team and they want to be eligible for MVP and all that. And you have, wait, you have to play 65. So I think a lot of guys are going to aim for 65 and like, for, like, Wembenyama. Wembenyama's never played that many games in a season in his life. So wow. do they just, like, aim him for 65 so he can win Rookie of the Year? I
0: I, I, I think that's a really good, um, I guess, line in the sand that you, you would say most of these dudes are going to shoot for. Expect people to play 60, between 65 and 70 games every year. If you get more, great, but I'm not going to expect more Really, from anyone uh, moving forward, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to calculate that in. So, what that does, in my opinion, is kind of boost the um, the value of players that we kind of know never never get up there in the in, into the upper seventies, eighties, like a Paul George, like a Jimmy Butler, uh, guys that you can kind of count on to miss games every season. Uh, they've been doing that because th- they knew, I mean, quite frankly, I think they know that the fact that the wear and tear on their bodies, the way they play, right. Is um, something that tears them down. And if they don't take that time off, if they don't rest, they can't play in the playoffs. And even when they do the, do, do, do that when they do do that, um, people like Paul George, Qui Leonard, play playing a lot of games in the playoffs. Right. So um, it doesn't have, work every single time.
1: We're all, I think no, I think we're also just seeing, like, for the first time in a little while, some of those guys are aging out. Like, they're just getting up there far enough where they can't consistently play a lot of games at those high minutes. And, you know, like, I mean, Durant is a perfect example. Like, how, I mean, when Durant's going to be 35, right? September. Like, he's just getting up there. LeBron, he's just getting up there, man. He can't play all those games all those minutes. Shit. He just can't do it.
0: LeBron's my age. He's getting old. I'm old. I don't know how he does it it could be the money in the hyperbaric chambers. But uh, something about something about genetics, something, something, genetics, something, something, rich people, something, something. Uh, But yeah, they're all getting up there. And uh, the I guess next crop of players coming in, which we are we're going to talk about that rookie uh, draft. We're going to talk about rookies. We're going to talk about the rookie draft. Um and kind of how we see those rookies impacting fantasy this year. But I wanted to get two hot takes from you on free agency uh, so far. The, the two players that I'm kind of interested in from a fantasy perspective next season, uh, at least the impact of their move. Um, John Collins on the on the Jazz. I'm kind of interested in what that does to the Jazz ro- roster, right? Like you got Larry Market in there who had an incredible season last year. Uh, John Collins, nobody knows what position he truly plays. Uh, also, he's never really been given uh, a major role on a team. Th- does that change at all in the Jazz?
1: Uh, no, but I do think they're gonna do that thing that Cleveland did when Markkinen was there, where like Markkinen's the small forward kind of. Yeah, that didn't really work. And John Collins, and Walker Kessler. We, yeah, but I mean, like the Jazz want to be bad. So isn't that working in a way? Like, if you are trying to get the number one pick, losing all the games and having three guys produce pretty good stats is a win for fantasy and a win for the Jazz.
0: Because you're not going to play... I mean, you got Kessler and Markinen. I just don't... Does that does John Collins showing up on this team hurt the fantasy value?
1: Mm. Markinen's maybe take some rebounds away, but I still think Markinen's going to be their top scorer. And John Collins is going to be not the rim protector so i think it's gonna hurt john collins the most plus like i mean they kind of did this with colin sexton now colin sexton was hurt and did play a little bit more down the stretch and you know maybe we'll have a better year this year but like they kind of just like add pieces to like hope to him to show something and they couldn't trade him or just like eating that contract anyways they don't really care like i honestly think collins is going to be more of like a, a 27 minute a game guy and he's going to get like 13, 14 points and like seven rebounds and maybe a block when he's on the court without Walker Kessler.
0: Maybe he kind of slides into that Kelly Olynyk role um, a little bit. I, I wouldn't say their games are similar, really, but um, maybe the role they play on this team um, kind of eats into Kelly Olynyk's minutes, making Kelly Olenek not a well, the question top is, can, player. The
1: question is, can you get Collins to... Refined a shot, right? I mean, he shot twenty nine point two percent last year from three, and that was really what kind of killed his fantasy value. So, like, if you can get him shooting back, I mean, he shot two years in a row. He basically shot forty. If you can get him back up there, I mean, he's he's dangerous again.
0: True, he becomes an interesting fantasy basketball player at that point. Um, the other player, and we obviously know free agency is like you know. I don't think this is, everything's a done deal. I don't think all the teams are obviously Dame when it's out of uh, Portland, so we're going to talk about that. When that happens, obviously, Chris Stapps went to Boston. We'll probably talk about that uh, when we get closer to the season, when we see how stuff pans out. But I was I'm, I was willing to make a bold prediction this early in the uh, in season, Tyler. Jordan Pool leads the league. Field goal attempts. Is that safe to say?
1: Uh, it was bet. It was better. It was it was a safer bet until they brought back Kuzma.
0: I don't know if that's gonna matter.
1: <laughs> I mean, Poole's certainly gonna chuck for them and try to score like twenty-five points a game, but it's gonna be on horrendous efficiency. I have a feeling.
0: I think he's gonna average forty points on forty-five attempts.
1: I mean. He he actually, what, he scored like 20 a game last year for the Warriors as their, like, what, full fourth option?
0: He uh, took 15.6 shots a game. Curry took 20. Clay took way too many uh, at 18.
1: Yeah, and now he's going to be the number one option, and every team's going to sell out to stop him, and he's going to shoot, like, 40% from the field.
0: Note to self-bump, Andrew.
1: He's going to score, like, 25 a game.
0: Probably, I would say closer to 30. Like, I, I really do think he's going to chuck, and it's not going to matter because, obviously, the Wizards are trying to tank. Uh, note to self-reminder, i bump Andrew Wiggins up a little bit in my in my uh, evaluation. Uh, some of the uh, Jordan Poole's shots got to go somewhere. I think Andrew Wiggins gets a, a few more shots, which he should. I like it when Andrew Wiggins is more of an o- offensive threat on this team.
1: Yeah, I mean... Wiggins is is a good player. Wiggins has found a a nice fit in there. And uh, obviously Chris Paul is going to take far fewer shots than Jordan Poole did. Um, So I think it's safe to say that Wiggins and maybe even Curry and maybe Klay Thompson uh, get a little boost because we know Draymond's not going to shoot.
0: Draymond, uh, will. I hope Draymond finds a shot. I I know everybody hates Draymond. I I don't really hate Draymond that much. Um, Not as much as some people enough about free agency let's talk about the newest members
1: oh you're not even going to talk about the rockets no, I'm not going to here's talk about a bold rockets. prediction I'm for me talking. no go ahead I, I'll, I'll give you my bold prediction quick uh rockets have the worst field goal percentage in the league next season yeah, no that seems fair because brooks and van fleet are both not good and they were already near the bottom and they're now adding two high volume shooters that are both going to be bad
0: i think that's it's interesting because Van Fleet going there, you kind of feel like, hey, yo, that's like the best NBA player they have, right? So he's going to take over. But no, they got like a lot of obviously other good scores around Van Fleet. Van Fleet's probably going to play a very similar role that he played in in uh, Toronto, who I don't think is done moving people out of Toronto. It sounds like Pascal Siakam might be on the move. Um, But no, I, I don't know what to make of the uh, the Rockets roster right you uh you gotta have fred van fleet with the ball i thought kevin you know kevin porter jr um really he had flashes so did jalen green both of them had really good flashes as ball handlers as uh dudes who could be kind of a good combo guard you take the ball out of their hands are they more effective less effective Uh, i feel like it could go either way quite frankly
1: well, oh, I mean, I think the whole thought process there was, you know, they want Jalen Green to be the, sh- the the shooting guard, the scoring guard, whatever you want to call that nowadays. Um, and so they're hoping Van Vliet can get him some better quality shots, which is, I mean, Van Vliet is definitely a better point guard than Kevin Porter Jr., so he should be able to get him some higher quality shots. I think they're going to look at Kevin Porter Jr. as the sixth man in that. Um, the problem with it all lies is you paid Dylan Brooks $20 million a season, and he thinks he's the number one option on any team he's on, regardless of who else is on the team. So, you know, that's kind of throwing a wrench into any plan you got. Yeah,
0: the Dylan Brooks issue is going to be an issue. Like, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And now he's going to be on a team that really doesn't have consequences for winning or losing, right? So he's kind of got to do whatever the hell he wants. At least in Memphis, there was, like, kind of consequences for being a dickhead uh, with the fact that they were trying to, you know, win playoff games. But Houston isn't going to sniff the playoffs, right? And, um, you know, I mean, I don't I don't even know if I start Dylan Brooks on, you know, on this team. And he's he's going to be pissed off about that.
1: Well, the, the the whole reason is, I mean, they brought in Udoka, and Udoka wants to play defense and and Brooks is a good defender. Oh, absolutely. Um, but can you convince him to not hijack your offense? And nobody has so far.
0: Everyone, maybe it's one of those things where since everyone on this team is trying to hijack the offense, Dylan Brooks won't be able to uh
1: it's a theory I'm not sure it's 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 real. Yeah, so it's many
0: hijackers theory. that the plane actually lands at the place you want it to land
1: <laughs> they just start taking each other out I mean i I if guess to throw it's it possible. out there
0: I think maybe it' will be they're good. gonna be
1: an interesting team to watch in the sense that. Some of their games might just be everyone yelling at everyone else because they didn't get to take the shot.
0: It'll be really fun, <laughs> in, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it could be wild. I for think sure. uh, I think I'll be tuning in or maybe even attending. The, uh that particular game when they uh, inevitably come to Chicago. Um, yeah, let's let's get into the rookies. Uh, we haven't talked about these rookies yet. Um, obviously, Victor Wembomma was has been on our um, been on our radar since last year. Um, probably on your radar, Tyler, for a little bit longer, um, since you do like to follow the uh, the mini draft classes that are coming up. Uh, I was recently on. Uh, Adam King's podcast, the uh, Ball's Deep Fancy Basketball podcast. And uh, he asked me this question, I think want to ask you this question as well. Um, Wimby, where are you drafting him? Where are you drafting him in a redraft league? Not where will he go?
1: That's a really good question, right? And it really lies with how you value blocks, right? because from everything we've seen so far, Wempy is going to be a good shot blocker, right? And could get to two blocks a game, maybe even as a rookie, yes. right? Maybe even love that. I think we saw... Yeah, right? And I think we saw last year, like, I mean, there were some guys not producing really great numbers, but getting, like, two blocks a game that were instantly, like, I mean... I like Nick Claxton. I like his game. Look at his stat line. Like his fantasy stat line is not that great. He gives you terrible free throws, no threes, less than two assists, less than one steal. But he got two and a half blocks, and he was the thirty-seventh ranked player in per game. Yeah,
0: and um, whatever um, My, whatever Miles Turner syndrome is, which is two <laughs> two point three blocks, which is like you know what one two three four f- the fifth best uh, shot blocker the league per uh per game and the dude is you know in the top 20 top 25 he doesn't play 30 minutes a game and he's like 18 and seven and a half with like no assists and like a half a steal and you're like well those aren't really good stats so like that that block uh, as we all know really bumps people way up in the rankings it doesn't necessarily mean they're a great all-around fancy basketball player
1: Yeah, and what people also don't understand about it is, like, sure, you can, like, secure that category every week, but that's only one win. And so, like, yeah, I could take Brooke Lopez and Miles Turner and Wemby and Nick Claxton, and I win blocks every week, but I lose, you know, I win rebounds and I lose everything else besides maybe field goal percentage because, you know, uh, that's just really, like, not how the game works. So... I guess I value blocks a little bit less than most people because I feel like if I can just get, like, a block guy or two, I'm going to be competitive in that category um, every single week, and I'm not, like, I'm not picking Miles Turner where he actually gets ranked, and I'm not picking Brook Lopez where he actually gets ranked, and I'm not picking Nick Claxton where, you know, he gets ranked in those final standings. Um, with that said, I mean, I, I'm not going to have Wimbunyama. I, I'm just not because – I'm not, you know. I mean, we talk about this all the time. I'm not a guy who like just goes crazy and drafts a rookie. This is probably one of the highest ones I've. We can safely say that I would ever like have ranked. Um, I'm still gonna have him like in that third round, though, or, or maybe just outside of it. Like, I feel like we have a fairly t- safe top 36 of like really good players that I'm really gonna like, and then, you know, Webin Yamas yeah, probably right near the back of that slash at the top of you know kind of that fourth round for me. Um, he'll probably go in the second round, which is just insane. And he might actually produce the value because he he is really good. Um, the question is how is his adjustment to the NBA going to be? Which it's probably going to be slow. I mean, the Spurs didn't really try to put a ton a ton of pieces around him uh, quite yet. So I don't think they're going to be super good. And and I think they're going to try to bring him along kind of slow. And like I said, I also don't think he's going to play like eighty games. I think that they're going to keep him at like you know sixty five, maybe seventy. So uh, that's also going to impact his value. Not really negatively, because a lot, like, pretty much everyone's playing that many games, but I don't think he's going to get the boost of like playing 82 like Bruce Fish did.
0: I don't think so, and I think uh, you know when you look back at rookies in the past who uh, very few of them ever even like, finish in the top 80, let alone the top 50, the ones that do are big men who get good rebounds and block shots. Um, this is a dude who will get good rebounds and great blocks. Who can shoot threes? Who can pass the ball? Uh, his upside in a dynasty is insane, and we're—I think we're going to talk about you know what we would do, and if you were in a dynasty draft, who you would be taking. I—I uh, I don't think we have to talk about number one because we're talking about him right now. Um, but in a redraft league, his rookie season—that's the two big think caveats. One, he, thank God he went to the Spurs for the long term. But In the short term, might not be the best uh, thing for a fantasy basketball team, for Victor and for the Spurs and for the health of the NBA. It's a great thing. But chances are, like you said, it's an intelligent organization. They're going to bring him along slowly. They're going to bring him along cautiously. There is no reason for him to play on a sprained ankle. There is no reason for him to play 35 minutes a game or maybe even 32 minutes a game. All of that, I think, rarely like neuters his ceiling, even though his ceiling is is very high. I said between twenty five and thirty because I think that drop off in that in that in that five pick period twenty five to thirty, where I wouldn't mind taking that you know reach for the upside of Wim uh, of Wimby for for another reason too. And we always say this on 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 the Watching the Boxes podcast. Value is value is value, right? If everyone in your league is salivating over uh women Obama, and um, whose name I'm never going to pronounce correctly, um, you can get him in the end of the second round and someone likes him uh, immediately as like, you know, a first round player because he starts the year off super hot. Well, then you can move him for a first round player. Like he's going to have that um, perceived ceiling as an all-timer, and in no way, shape, or form do I think he's going to be a uh, first-round player. I don't even think he's a second-round player. But I think if you can get him, in the, if I can get him in the top of the third round, he's good enough to return that value. But he's also good enough to return that value in a trade. Better
1: yeah I guess I don't wanna go into my league though thinking I've gotta make a trade like I don't like, exit my draft going like i gotta make a trade right now that's <laughs> that's probably not something I wanna be now maybe maybe you go like all right, I think he's gonna come out of the gate super high. I think he's gonna have a couple of like real good first games, and then maybe I can sell him for i don't know insert twelfth ranked player here um I don't know here here's something i'll I'll just read you his stat line uh. Playing in the French league last season, you ready for this? Twenty point eight points, ten point three rebounds, two point four assists, almost three blocks, 0. 0.8 steals. Uh, he shot forty almost forty seven percent from the field and eighty one point eight percent from the assists. Line. Those are great numbers, but he played thirty two point two minutes a game. And I'm like, the French League is not the NBA. So, like, to come out here and think he's going to average 20 a game seems a little bit far-fetched to me. To say he's going to average 10 rebounds a game when the Spurs have already told you they want to put a center around him because they think he's a little bit frail at this point seems a little bit far-fetched. And then, so, the question is, how many blocks can he get? But if you're telling me, like, I don't know, I got him pegged as more of, like, probably 15 to 18 points. Like... 7.5, Seven and a half, eight ish rebounds. Probably like 2.5 assists. Maybe .7, .8 steals. The question is really going to be the blocks. Can he get 3? Can he get 2? Can he get 1.5? That's not a question I can and answer. And
0: the person you're describing is better Brooke Lopez. Yeah, that's fair. And, and, and Brook Lopez, really good. Fancy basketball. Very good. He was actually in the top 25 per game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But at the same time, like the, the block numbers are skewing that. And that's what I'm trying. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I'm not picking Brooke Lopez at 25. I'm picking Brooke Lopez in like fourth round, which is where I'm picking. That's Young.
0: also kind of the point of saying a little bit better. Brook Lopez, if you got to use a second round pick on Brooke Lopez, you could probably use a fifth round pick on actually Brooke Lopez.
1: Yeah, and I also think Brook Lopez's percentages are going to be better than Wemba Nyama's as a rookie. Like, rookie Wemba Nyama is not going to shoot 53% from the field, is he? No. And he, he might not even shoot 78 from the line, which is what Brook shot last year. Just because, like, I mean, you know, like, sometimes that is bad free throw shooting from rookies because they, you know, feeling that pressure, their the game's not going their way for that night, and they miss a bunch of free throws.
0: B is going to have a great career. Um, I don't think either one of us—we'll probably say this a billion times between now and the beginning of the season. I don't think either one of us are going to be drafting him. I think the, as always, rookie hype is the highest of the hype, and um, this guy's being touted as uh the one the greatest uh rookies of all time. Right. So there's there's absolutely no way you get a good deal on him. So chances are we're going to be recommending that you don't draft him in the second round. Um, and even in the third round, like, you know, just know what you're getting into. It seems like a fair place to take him. Also know that you're getting a guy who's they're going to move along slowly, who's not going to play as many minutes as you probably like. And also, it's a hard to adjust to the NBA no matter where you come from and no matter how you've been playing basketball as the fucking NBA, right? You guys are the, the best of the best. They're a lot faster than anything anyone's ever seen until you get to the NBA. The rest of this, like, the rest of these rookies are all really fucking good, too. Like, that's what's uh, crazy about this draft, I think, is that everybody's talking about wimby everybody's talking about you know what kind of a prolific uh generational talent he is there's some like normal generational talent um which is a weird phrase to say in uh, that came out of this draft um brandon miller went to the hornets at two scoot henderson who probably would have been the number one pick in any other draft went third to the blazers uh uh, emin thompson went to the rockets so they got another uh good uh player on the on the rockets i don't know where they're gonna slide him in uh his brother As- sar went to the pistons anthony black went to the magic i don't know what the magic are doing they always do weird stuff uh it never makes too much sense i'm not gonna list the rest of that draft um know we're talking
1: I thought you were just going to read all 58 no, that, picks. I was excited. I thought it was just going to be Lakers. Number 17, select. the
0: Lakers draft. Jalen Hood, Chafino from <laughs> Indiana. The um, in redraft league, and we say this all the time, chances are more rookies are going to be drafted in a redraft league than should be drafted in a redraft league. All... I guess I'll pose the question like this, Tyler. How many player, how many rookies would you draft in your standard redraft league next season?
1: Um, that's a good question. Um, it's one probably we don't know the specific answer to, in the sense that we're still gonna see some stuff happen, right? Like, honestly, I I don't know that I'd even maybe want to draft Scoot Henderson if Dame Lillard's on the team. But if Damler's off the team, I mean, I think they're just going to turn the keys over to Scoot, and he's going to be awesome. Uh, So definitely him. I think I'll I'll put Scoot Anderson in there. Um, Brandon Miller I'll put in there just because the Hornets are going to have to play him. Um, After that, it it gets shaky because how much are any of those guys going to really play? I mean, like, the Pistons are going to have back Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, so what role is Osark Thompson going to play when I tell you that he's not a great three-point shooter. Where where does he fit in?
0: Where does Anthony Black fit in on the Magic when they already yeah. got point guards?
1: Well, well, and that's what I'm saying. If Anthony Black's the starting point guard, I want him. If he's the sixth man slash third-string point guard, I'm not super interested. Um, as far as next year, for sure, I think it's the top three I, I would pick. Um, and then there's a handful of other guys like uh, Jairus Walker probably near the top of the list just because i mean the wizards have already waved the white flag right they're they're definitely tanking rebuilding retooling whatever you want to call that so i think he's probably the next safest uh redraft choice because he's going to play minutes because they're they have no they're not trying to win they've already told you that uh taylor Hendricks might be the next safest choice because the jazz aren't trying to win but then again they've got Markin and they've got kessler and they've got John Collins, so how many minutes is Where does he fit in at all? Now, right?
0: Like, and I think that is the thing uh, we always want to reiterate is the number one and the most important stat in fantasy basketball is minutes per game. And so while uh, you're getting super pumped about the NBA and you're going to see all these summer league games coming up and you're going to see all these rookies going at it, uh, this already started, you're going to get to the preseason and there's going to be some rookies who are getting – getting wet in preseason and you're gonna be like oh baby i'm gonna take a chance. And you know what with your last pick your second to last pick go ahead take take a shot go jalen hood Shafino. who knows maybe the lakers don't have a lot of people on their team maybe he will play a bunch of minutes for the lakers i don't know um but that's the best point to make tyler like you said is that we know um wimby's gonna play brandon miller's gonna have a role Uh, everybody else question marks um and it's going to be question marks talent wise scoot henderson probably plays his way into a semi-starting role same with the thompson brothers maybe but that's 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 where you start the maybes three rookies seems fair a fourth one if you're getting silly at the at the end of it at the end of the draft and for you know for brandon and Scoot, who you already said, let's say Dame is out of, um, out of Portland. Probably taking Scoot over, uh, Brandon Miller. I don't, I don't know if I'm taking, am I taking them in the top I'm 100? Taking, I'm
1: thinking, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm definitely, I'm definitely taking Scoot over Brandon Miller in, uh, Dynasty League. I'm definitely taking Scoot over Brandon Miller in a redraft league. If I'm drafting today, um, just because, you know, everyone wants to talk about, like, Brandon Miller is, is awesome, right? And he is awesome, right? He is really good. He's that kind of 6'8", 6'9", you know, wing that every team is looking for. But you know who's awesome? Jalen Brown. You know what Jalen Brown ranked last year in per game yeah. value? Pretty 41st. Good. And so, like, if Brandon Miller is Jalen Brown which is a really good player. And, like, Jalen Brown was third-team All-NBA last year. Jalen Brown's awesome. But, like, he's the 41st-ranked player. Whereas, you know, Scoot Henderson has the ability to be a Dame Lillard, a LaMelo Ball, uh, you know, a a guy who's going to dominate the ball, who's going to get rebounds, who's going to score, who's going to shoot threes. And so, like, I think Scoot Henderson just has a a tremendously higher uh, fantasy ceiling in the sense that he is going to be the lead ball handler on his team. Whereas, Brandon Miller is going to be a scoring wing, so I guess sure you could say he's going to be Jimmy Butler or you know Kevin Durant, but he also might be Jalen Brown. Well,
0: how long did it take Jimmy Butler really or good. even Paul George to become those players? Right? Yeah, those are those are into the first round players that we talk about every single year. How long did it take them to become an into the first round player? It's not going to happen in year two, three, four, five. Um, While well, you know if you're talking about uh, where stats make sense, uh, right? A lot of ball-heavy point guards still left in the league.
1: And the ones that are, where are they ranked? The top 20. Yeah. And that's my point, I guess, is like, it doesn't make any sense for me to take Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson in a... Keep forever Dynasty League draft. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe you could make it make sense, but I, it doesn't make any sense to me right now.
0: In a Dynasty League, so, we, you know, we talked about the redraft, you know, Victor, Scoot, Brandon, push and then marks for everybody else. In the Dynasty League, though, everybody's getting drafted. Um, I think it's still that, for me, it's still that same order. Victor, Scoot, Brandon Miller. Um, Is there anyone you want to make an argument over Brandon Miller for the long, long term? Who who do you got for your next picks?
1: No, because I think if Brandon Miller is that transformative wing that, you know, by all accounts he, he is gonna be, I, I think that is a very kind of safe floor, right? Like, look at the transformative wings, and I like I mentioned Jalen Brown, right? But like look at some other guys like Desmond Bain and uh you know, Mikel Bridges is the 45th ranked player, right? Like, if he's a 20-point-per-game-scoring wing, that's a top 50 player, which is damn good. And you'd be happy to get a top 50 player in a in a Keep Forever Dynasty League. If you could tell me I could have a top 50 player for the next 15 years, I'd be ecstatic about that.
0: Absolutely, especially so uh, as quickly as it feels like some of these young dudes um, have been kind of, evolving their game i don't know if i'm just old but um and seeing too much basketball but it does feel like this this younger generation uh that's currently in the league right now right their games are maturing a lot quicker than um previous generations and obviously that could just be uh, a billion different reasons, technology, medical advances, uh just uh, there's more people playing and caring and coaching and training around basketball and just just the it's a matter of momentum, right? Um, so if you can get these guys, you're getting them in the in your dynasty league, it might not take six five, six, seven years for that to pan out. might might be three or four, yeah,
1: for sure. and so. I just think that's that's the safe pick. it's the it's got a lot of upside though, too. and and so I think he's definitely the third pick. and then I think for the fourth pick, you know, I, there was not a ton. I mean, like Amund Thompson was most people's fourth pick, and that's great. but like only because he's kind of a six seven ball handler. But again, he's got mm-hmm. a questionable jumper. Um, he is a an elite athlete among elite athletes. um so. You could say that as far as like, but again, like we've seen a lot of guys that are elite athletes that don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily translate either. And so I think it's kind of a a pick your horse between the next, you know, like who goes forth in your, in your league. Um, The other thing is like the Rockets got a point guard in Fred VanVleet and free agency. So like, how much is he going to be allowed to develop as a lead ball handler? That's not a question I can answer. It's really on the Rockets, right? And so if they make him into more of a wing, then what are we talking about? We're talking about a wing that can't shoot.
0: That's not interesting. There's plenty of those.
1: (laughs) Right? And so um, next for me, honestly, it it might be Anthony Black because I think he's a point guard. And I want a starting point guard. And so if I think Anthony Black can become a starting point guard, I'm probably going to take him. And I do. I do think he can eventually. I don't think it's gonna be this year. I don't think it's gonna maybe even be next year, but in a couple of years I think he's a starting point guard, and I want that.
0: And if he's got if he kinda if his trajectory like upside wise, right? Like you're saying, if you get out of that kind of like sure sure thing, or maybe not even sure thing, but like guys up top that you know are good, have a good trajectory, have a good um, you know, system that they're built into. If Anthony Black's ceiling is a 34 minute a game starting point guard who is it's quality assists. He's a Fred Van Fleet esque type of ceiling, pretty good ceiling. He's more of a Lonzo than yeah, a Lubello, and he's also six, maybe that, Lonzo ball, top 50 player.
1: Yeah, sure. And I, I just think there's some real defensive upside, too. Like, he got two, he got over two steals a game for Arkansas. Um, And so, like, obviously I don't expect it to translate, like, this minute. But, like, if you're telling me I can get a guy as a point guard who can even score, like, 15, 18 points a game, he's six, seven, so he's going to get you, like, five rebounds a game. You're talking six, seven assists, one and a half steals. Like, I'm interested.
0: Anyone, I mean, so, like, is there anyone else who stands out? Obviously, I think... Taylor Hendricks is to me interesting when it comes like just basketball wise, like I think he's pretty good. Like he's uh um, <laughs> like he's incredibly like uh talented across the board, but like sometimes across the you know board what? doesn't like say... add up to um, you know, like as especially as like kind of like a strangely sized forward, doesn't always add up to like fantasy value
1: sure i thought this this whole entire top 10 um has a really good chance to play a lot of minutes on their team relatively quickly which is maybe more so than i could say about any top 10 in the last five five years right like it feels like everybody is a rotation player at least and so that's good right um now the question is going to be and they go from rotation player to starter and from starter to star. Uh, that's, that's tougher to predict. Um, I think if you, you're asking me who I would go with next, it would probably be Amen Thompson, just because he was the fourth pick. The Rockets have a reason to develop him into the best player he can be, and he also is, like, a really good transition player and a transition passer, so he can get his team moving, and um, that usually leads to a lot of easy buckets and a lot of easy assists, and so that's good. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Taylor Hendricks. I like him a lot. I like Jairus Walker a lot. Um, his brother, Asar Thompson, men's um, brother, twin brother, Asar Thompson, is a guy who has a ton of potential and, like, literally could be an all star. Um, Those so dudes could be that's so a name good. That I like, think it
0: could be so interesting if
1: they learn how to shoot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I will say that Asar's jumper has. Already come a little ways and is looking a little bit better than it did for the overtime elite and by all accounts amends is not um so take that for what it's worth um, I also think Caseen Wallace is just like a really good defender who's gonna like get up in people's grills and he drew some like drew holiday comparisons which I mean obviously draft comparisons are always like fairly positive towards like really good players but I think even him who went 10th to the Thunder, like the Thunder got a crazy log jam. So don't think about picking him anytime soon, but uh, that's a guy that could be real interesting.
0: Yeah. And actually the uh, Derek Lively who came uh, over to Mavericks, right? Like that's a, that's a, that's a role the Mavericks kind of need. And uh, he's got like a really, it feels like lively has got a really high ceiling, I guess. Uh, But he's super, super raw and probably not ready for prime time for years. (laughs)
1: Well, he averaged 20 minutes a game for Duke last year. so, uh, Yeah, but I I do like him as a long-term project, and he's already working with Tyson Chandler.
0: That's great. Tyson Chandler, pretty good.
1: (laughs) So that's that's a positive. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I will say this about a lot of these, like once we get into that middle range, like the top 10 was very strong. I think that kind of like late lottery into the 20s was like, A lot of kind of young, questionable guys with some pretty high upsides, but some pretty scary downsides for me. Um, and so we'll see who pops out of that group. There are some guys I like a little bit more than others, but um it was not the safest uh mid to late lottery and like middle of that first. Out of that
0: mid to late lottery, is there anybody who, let's say you're in a dynasty league, you got like the 17th pick or whatever, so you kinda got your you got your fill of most of the people probably in the top fifteen down, um, is there anyone that stands out to you long term maybe high ceiling a dynasty league
1: uh yeah, if you're saying the top fifteen went relatively chalk and and Buffkin got taken yeah. who's uh, he's kind of an interesting little prospect um I would say that the next uh highest upside play would be Nick Smith jr, who was uh Basically going to be a top 10 pick before he had a very bad season at Arkansas, and he went 27th, but uh, dude's got an incredibly high ceiling. Uh, He didn't really stay very healthy at Arkansas, so his health is a little bit of a question mark. His jumper is a slight question mark. Um, If he can get those things ironed out and just be healthier, I think he's a guy that could uh, really fly up Derek whitehead is kind of the same way he was also projected to be a very high pick and then he struggled with injuries at duke and just had another surgery so uh he went to the brooklyn nets there's a lot of questions about uh his health but if he's healthy and can continue improving he could be another guy that ends up being like a top five-ish player in this class
0: There's a lot of talent in this class um obviously shooting darts uh once you get past you know the top five or whatever. When I'm in a dynasty league, when I if I'm outside of that, you know, the top few picks, which I usually am because uh, some people might or might not know, uh, I won the inaugural uh, fantasy analyst uh, dynasty league, 30 team league, no big deal. Everybody's talking about it. Um, no, no offense, Tyler. No, you really, uh, really wanted it because I, I know we both do the same strategy when it comes to a dynasty league, which is win now. Uh, a championship's a championship is a championship. Um, but when I'm draft so I'm not drafting those top three rookies. I'm not going to have that draft pick unless I just gut my team, which maybe in a year or two I'm, I'm going to have to. Um, if I'm drafting any, you know, near the bottom of the first round, which is probably where I'm going to be drafting, I'm either giving that pick up to somebody who's trying to rebuild, so I can keep you know a good team, or I'm going for the highest upside player possible.
1: Yeah, and then that, I think that's the, the strategy to use, especially in, like, uh, dynasty leagues, because, especially ones where you're going to keep the guy forever, like, do you want the 120th ranked player for the next decade? Maybe, but not really, right? Being you want somebody that's, like, a top 50. Yeah, okay, that's fine, I mean, maybe that's a different strategy, but, like, I'm talking like your normal, like, 12-team dynasty league, like, you don't want the last pick forever. Like just sitting on your roster forever so at the same that time like at that point I'm basically going like once we get outside the top 10 I'm just going for some crazy eye upside guys I'm gonna go for a guy that I believe in that I think can be a top 50 player at some point in his career and if it never works out never works out
0: oh well if that guy never plays a game for me oh well it's fine I'd rather take that shot have like the hundred and you know 50th dude in the league for three years like okay so that's cool uh, as well i guess uh but i'm still not playing that guy either in a in a normal um a 12 team um roster regular roster league right it'd have to be kind of a a silly well the
1: perfect the perfect example is like someone like zubach right let's say you draft this year's zubach Isn't Zubac like right around the hundredth ranked player, like every year, which is great. Like I'd like to have that, but would I rather have the fiftieth ranked player for five years and and the hundredth ranked player forever?
0: Yeah, it's so, like, do you want Bobby Portis?
1: Yeah, exactly. Maybe, in the like, se- maybe if I'm Portis picking in the
0: second round of my uh, in my in my uh, dynasty draft, maybe then I'm looking for a Bobby Portis.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, like I'm I'm much. I'd much rather like, go for somebody that could be Giannis, but they might be nothing.
0: Are any of these other rookies out there on the board that you're keeping an eye on going into the season?
1: Uh, well, I guess I'm keeping a somewhat eye on all of them, Mike. But, <laughs> um,
0: Too many. That's, that's a I, lot of I, dudes.
1: That's 60 dudes. I'm, no, only 58. Two, two teams Keep, lost their pick. pick. One of them is your team. You should know that. I
0: forgot. <laughs> also that is that um, is um I'm uh, you know I don't need to hear this bullshit about tampering especially when the guy ain't even going to play uh for the rest of it you're going to take you're going to take a draft pick away from the Bulls and then uh for a guy who uh can't move his knee and won't play NBA basketball ever again fuck off Uh
1: I'll give you a couple names I liked in the second round you you ready for this we don't even need to talk about them I'll just tell you a couple guys that I like that I think uh have some upside um Leonard Miller, who ended up going to the uh, Timberwolves. Okay. Uh, it's just like a 6'10 forward that, that uh, has some intriguing potential if he can make it all work out. And then I would say that the next guy for me would be Siday okay. Sioko. who plays for the Spurs. He's from France.
0: I would keep an eye on anyone that the Spurs draft.
1: Uh, this is a 6'8 forward, too. So, like, mm. just one of those, like body types that every NBA team wants is kind of like a a versatile forward wing whatever you want to call that guard multiple positions Um, Spurs will probably iron out his jumper and he could be good
0: wild how um, quality the Spurs are when they are picking that talent
1: some people got it and some people don't Mike it's like everything in life
0: Tell me uh, about it. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna say if you want to play the second round, it's gonna be the other Vujovic, Vukovic, Tristan Vukovic, <laughs> going to the Wizards.
1: Tell me Keep something about him it other than other than he's got a name that you recognize.
0: Keep it an eye on him because I don't want to accidentally draft him uh, instead of uh, actual Vujovic. So I, I got to make sure I know the difference between the two of them, between their spellings. So once again, I always like in an auction league worth putting them out there to see if anyone bids $2 worth
1: it. <laughs> oh, Michael.
0: Good. You got to, you got to keep people on their toes. Uh, speaking of pe- keeping people on their toes, this could be a weird. Segment. So what
1: you're saying is you're going to exit all your drafts next year with Tristan Vukovic. And uh, let's see here. You're going to have one of those Thompson twins, hoping that someone confuses them for the other one. Okay. And you're also going to have Theonis onto the compo, hoping someone confuses him for Giannis. Yes.
0: That's how I, I end every every single <laughs> one of our uh, drafts. I'm also going to do Chris Murray, so people think that's Keegan Murray.
1: It's going to be a strong draft for you, Mike. I can
0: already see it. Yeah. Somehow, somehow it worked out for me every single year. I don't know how. Um, I think that's it. I mean, that's I mean, the rookies are the rookies and we got some great ones. Uh, Free agency is still going strong. Summer League is just about uh, the Vegas Summer League is just about to start. Uh, We'll be coming to you on and off throughout the uh, the summer here, especially if something big uh, happens. Uh, I think we'll probably be doing a uh, too early uh, mock draft uh, as the season approaches and then of course watching the boxes will be here with all of the content that you get in the preseason, all the mock drafts, all of the who do I draft segments, um, all of the breakdowns of the fantasy basketball season. So you can um prepare for your draft, win your draft, win your league. You can't really win a draft. You could do good in a draft. You could do well. I I don't know if you can win a draft. Uh but you know I think I think, quite frankly, our track record uh, is pretty good. If you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, chances are your fantasy basketball squads are usually pretty good. We appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us throughout the seasons. It's gonna, another season has begun uh, already. And if you want to um, hear anything specific leading up to preseason or during preseason, let us know. You can find me on Twitter at WatchTheBoxes. Tyler, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Tyler P. Watts. Follow Tyler Tyler, Tyler P. Watts. W-A-T-T-S. On Twitter, if you're not already, I don't know why you wouldn't be. That's it. Tyler, anything you want to plug?
1: No, man. Just excited for it all to get going, like Uh, always.
0: It's already started. It's already begun. Stay cool out there. It's going to be a hot summer. It's going to be the coolest summer of the rest of your life. Congratulations, everybody. See you next time.